It's like this deserves some love. It should. It should. I mean, we should. I I can bring up all kinds of like cephalopod, you know, goodies, and and we can talk about the suction of of tentacles, and basically tentacles in any media and entertainment. Of course. I mean, is there any way that we wouldn't address hentai and Lovecraft? And, and uh, <gasps> Of course. And nowadays, yeah. how popularized it is, because um, uh, a monster, I love, monster core is now a legitimate um, subgenre. sub-genre. Yeah, in uh, not only fan fiction, but also in published fiction i don't know if you have heard of uh, morning glory uh milking farm i do not think i have heard of this morning glory milking farm google it all right <laughs> okay i'll tell you um it's a uh, it's a book a published book that's currently very popular and it is about um centaurs whose um semen has magical properties all right um so there are milking farms okay so this, is this is a book <laughs> this is an actual book yes yep it's here on amazon for four dollars dig yep. it i have not read it yet but i heard so much about it I mean, we talk about we talk about the fluids that you can extract from unicorns all the time. Why not centaurs? Like, come on, guys. Exactly, exactly. It's it's a spicy book because it's about you know relations between the women who do the milking and the centaurs who are being milked. Oh <laughs> you know, there's a story of a woman. Uh, she was a scientist, and mm. I guess it was last year they got uh, a little bit of press and news because one of her responsibilities as like a scientist studying the health and life spans of dolphins in the Caribbean had to manually oh. you know stimulate the dolphin and it was part of the active things that were going on all the time there so like there was a news article and a whole bunch of drama about is that appropriate and like I mean it's science we jerk off I mean, all sorts of animals all the time True, true. And let's be honest, I don't know if you know this, but dolphins are assholes. They rape a lot of, you know, creatures and humans if they get the chance to. Oh, yeah, that horrifying prehensile penis that, like, grabs people and chokes them and brings them to the bottom of the sea. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So, um, I mean, talking about peni and uh, sea creatures, for some reason, when I think <laughs> when you're talking about dolphin penises i think about loch ness monster and how that most likely probably would have been a whale's dick oh, you yeah. know airing out because it's the same shape and size as the the pictures or alleged pictures of 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 nessie loch nessie oh yeah so we we probably have named a some whale whales uh pp out there the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> you know what? Not enough penises get the name the Loch Ness Monster. I'm sure people have like played with the puppetry of the idea, but I don't. I don't mm -hmm. think I hear enough about that. Um, True. We, we are recording at this point, right? I, yes, we are. I started oh, from the moment I came in. 
in theory, this is an impromptu episode. We'll see what, what happens here. But yeah, we'll, we'll keep it, going from there. Um, I, uh, definitely uh, impromptu. So let's just uh, say hello. We are the Cultured Curators. This is Ben and Rabia here. And um, uh, as you might have noticed by this cold open, we are talking about... Well, will uh, penises being named at the moment? <laughs> this yeah, is not going to be a safe for work episode. Who knows? We're just kind of like off the bat. We decided to do <laughs> this stuff. This is our normal interaction. So, you know, true, true. To <laughs> in regards to the whale penis, every time I think about that little historic tidbit of like whales mm -hmm. airing out their penis in the air and it looking like some kind of weird sea creature, I just go yes. back to all those like cartography. Uh, beautiful illustrated maps from like uh, the 1700s and 1600s yes. where they're like sea monsters and I see all these like coiling serpents and strange looking things. <laughs> I'm like, man, there's some ugly dicks out there in the ocean. <laughs> well, there, there are corkscrew dicks out there in the ocean. There are like snake leg dicks out there in the ocean. There are creatures that are just, you know, the whole creature is just one penile. <laughs> oh, yeah. Being uh, hackfish, yeah. Have you ever heard of yeah. hackfish? I have, I have. But please enlighten our audience. Okay, so these hagfish, um, they look basically just like a penis. They kind of hide in the bottom of the ocean, uh, mm -hmm. semi lamprey esque mouths. But they have this very peculiar self defense system where, um, if they are picked up by a predator, i.e., a human grabs them and lifts them, they, you know, they're long, snake like, eel like creatures. They will curl themselves into a knot and roll off this viscous semen-like substance to protect themselves. So if anything bites them, they do the same thing. And it just kind of like Spider-Man webs the mouth shut. And um, <laughs> there are instances, if you just Google hagfish, um, of uh, a person with a car full of hagfish. And all the hagfish just decided to like release all their fluids at the same time. And Ooh. like... It's also some deep sea horror creature. So like be aware, like looking at the mouth is very lamprey-esque, like uh, mm -hmm. no mandible rounded jaw. So weird penis creatures of the sea. <laughs> I mean, the, the sea is for some reason, we, do, we know less about our own freaking oceans than we know about space, which is still baffling to me. Everybody's always fascinated with uh, what's farther away. I think people are just trying to get away from each other at this point. <laughs> True, especially billionaires. They're they're literally sacrificing other people's lives so they can just leave this planet. Yeah, it's it's amazing that all of a sudden everybody was like, "Wait a second, how much carbon just got released into the atmosphere from this rocket?" Oh, mm -hmm. not been us the whole time, has it? Oh, okay, cool. Now there's like a little bit more of a um uh, a tilting of the responsibilities and what active green efforts need to be more focused on. Yes, recycle yeah. and, and put your plastic bottles in recycling. However, be aware that like voting and yeah. being aware of what's going on in the news and being a part mm -hmm. of the society at a whole kind of has a bit more to do with it. Definitely, definitely. Because at, at the end of the day, like 80% or even more, but uh, I would have to look that number up. But I think at least 80% of all pollution currently that being actively being done is done by corporations and, and big wigs, as the as you could say, instead of, you know, consumers. If, if, if they would make decisions that would be less polluting, um, 
they could literally they can choose to to end pollution and um global warming tomorrow it's just that they're too greedy to actually do so um yeah, i mean that's why we're in the shit the responsibility of of the caretaking of these companies falls on people but unfortunately mm. companies themselves just the system of them yeah. is an endless stomach it simply wants to perpetuate itself and uh, um, perpetuate its profit and yeah. the people that that run these businesses have a responsibility to the other human factors to make sure that the mechanisms that this company is moving towards also facilitate the future of the rest of us because otherwise it's just going to consume consume and consume and that's just the company itself yeah it perpetuates consumption but companies are are are, they don't have a a mind to stop themselves the people factor is the thing there yep yeah exactly and that that's because it's it's built on a capitalist vehicle and capitalism does not keep humans in, in into equation People, people trying to make their their profits and yep, it's all about own. the money. Yeah, it's all about the dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> Oh my goodness, talking about like self self uh, eating because I while you were explaining that I was thinking of the snake that um, eats his own tail because that's eventually what it ends up being if you you know exhaust every resource and also every human. Uh, exploit them to the point that they have to pee in bottles because they can't take a pee break while working. And then whenever someone falls down on the floor in a, in a warehouse, you just replace them. It's it's not an endless cycle that you can go through. At one point, you'll start, you know, cannibalizing your own resources up to a point that it, it dies. It's just, a, it's a matter of time, basically, at this point. Yeah, that 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 symbol, the Ouroboros, the snake oh, eating its own tail. I yeah. I definitely yeah. It the system perpetuates the system. We all we all kind of are infected by it and become yeah. w- without without checking in on ourselves, without saying, mm-hmm. okay, cool, is this really in service of what my desire in the universe is to be like a better person, to be a better culture, to take care of the things around me and the people around me? Mm-hmm. Capitalism doesn't. Assist in that those movements are to perpetuate gain and you know gain sounds nice on its own but the repercussions of gain are also loss in other places yeah yeah. unfortunately we could all do to to take account for ourselves a little better and and how we choose to interact with each other but Ah, c'est la vie such is the world such is the world. Getting back to, um, since, since we kind of boarded the train of uh, Monster Core here, do you read a lot of books, uh, Ben? Oh, I don't know how to read. I, I own a lot of books. But <laughs> I, I have quite a difficulty putting sentences together. Um, I I read on occasion. Um, I have mm-hmm. like a pretty short attention span, so I tend to be like in 10 different books at a time. Ah, uh, yes. Ask. Well, no, the, 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 yeah, so the reason I, I kind of have the same problem, the only thing is, is that now that I've discovered certain type of subgenres, like this monster core and other stuff, like spicy books and mafia romances and such, I'm not a romance novel reader, but 
some of these spicier books that are really trying to be something, I find them fascinating because they take a, take over um, book related social media like Book Talk, which is like the 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 sub community on TikTok for books and in uh, Bookstagram uh, on Instagram and BookTube on YouTube. Um, I often like in the background while I'm working have like these recommendations on or these um, creators on and then I note down if I hear an interesting title such as Morning Glory Milk Farm or Monster Core Romance or something of the sort. Um, and I was wondering if you read anything in, in that particular corner of uh, of the book internet. I have, you know what, uh, most of those end up coming out like curiosities. Like I think mm. I'm I'm attracted to the absurdity of some things like um, mm. Chuck Tingle. Are you familiar with Chuck Tingle? Yes. Um, <laughs> but there, please there was, tell there us more. Is where everybody was chit-chatting about this guy who um, writes these uh, niche, gay, erotic short stories. And they come out with like incredibly silly stories. If you just like Google Chuck Tingle, you'll find mm. things like pounded in the butt by Area 51 while attempting to storm it or not pounded by anything while I practice a responsible social distancing. Or let's see, where else do we have here? President uh, Donald Loch Ness Trump pounds uh, America in the butt. Um, so there's a bunch of like pound in the butt uh, stories mm -hmm. out there. These are real mm -hmm. stories. You you know, this guy's making uh, a successful career off of these uh, absurd erotic uh, tales. And I think they all fit in that uh, weird creature camp. I think the last thing that even uh, closely resembles this was actually a recommendation mm -hmm. uh, uh, by part of our community by Lupa. Um, mm -hmm. uh, oh my God, Mad K. <gasps> yes, Mad K. Oh I, I just finished the first one. So Mad K is this, is it Japanese or is it Korean? It is Japanese. Okay, perfect. So it's a, it, it's a, a Japanese uh, erotic manga of um, a young man who decides to summon a demon because he has the desire to consume the demon's innards. So he has this weird cannibalistic fetish. And mm -hmm. so the demon uh, grants the wish and there's all these very erotic undertones that eventually come to fruition. And that's mm -hmm. the introduction to the story of these, uh, these characters. It's, it's incredibly dark, but also humorous too. So I, you know, I don't think it's completely inaccessible, but it's definitely like a, a topic of, of, uh, yeah, well, the, 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 yeah, definitely. Well, what, what attracted me to Mad K cause I've already ordered the second volume is the fact that, um, Makoto, the, the main character, he's like, he has a specific kink and, because of that specific kink, he summons that demon because he doesn't want to perform that kink on humans. And that's like he feels so ostracized, basically, for his sexual desires and odd hobbies that he's like, OK, I'd rather sell my soul to fulfill myself um, than to actually, you know, fulfill this in by doing something to a non-consenting hum human being. 
So it's 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 pretty interesting how this starts because he's not like, oh, I'm so horny. I'm <laughs> I'm just gonna summon a demon and eat eat him and then get off. But it's like he's thought about this. He has this, you know, twisted desire that he knows he can't fulfill uh, without hurting someone. So he summons this demon because he know that he knows that he can get consent from this demon. It's an exchange. It's such so, an interesting thing because yeah. uh, obviously this is such an extreme paraphilia, this like mm. eating of guts, cannibalism, things of that nature. That yeah. but the you know that subtext there, this idea of like to harbor something that is so shameful that uh, you have to invoke uh, the darkest parts of yourself in order to access them and then impossibly destroy yourself in accessing mm -hmm. them because you have to because it's a shameful thing like yeah. you know obviously I'm, I'm I'm just in the beginning of the story but like that simple premise there like mm -hmm. explodes in my mind for for all uh, the taboo and stigmatization that sex and sexuality have in the world and I'm like I'm you know read more erotic literature, be exposed to more kinky and weird shit. Like this stuff is yeah. good for you. Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of why I was asking about it because Mad K is then an, a very extreme form. It's a, it's an Edo Guru or it's close to being an Edo Guru, which is um, the Japanese subgenre within, this is a BL. So that means boys love or a, a male on male romance story actually. Um, but it has erotic gore in it which is the edo gudo uh, side um so this is definitely 18 plus is not something you will find un <laughs> unwrapped in a store but it's 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 a gorgeous story it's beautifully drawn and then at the same time like if you want to expose yourself more we don't instantly want to go into something like mad k there are like more i guess easier or like smaller steps that you can take like stalked by the kraken which is a a, a book like literature not a manga but a, a book and I, I i think it's pretty cheap it's basically a, a kraken monster romance with lots of tentacle um action going on and back in the day like these would be titles like you know hidden in the back of some store or like only like very adventurous housewives would buy these types of titles. And now I'm coming across these titles by young women and men and, and people in general um, uh, advising or like putting them in lists basically on all those like Bookstagram, BookTok, BookTube uh, uh, channels. So that's interesting to see that shift that's happening with the, a younger generation, basically millennial and younger, where we're kind of like openly saying like, we read books that has spiciness in it. And with spicy, we need we mean sexual acts and kinky sexual acts. And maybe, you know, a, a human with a non-human, whether it's aliens or monsters or vampires or, you know, what you can think of or demons. Um, they're now literally authors that are, you know, making big bucks actually with like demon romance <laughs> books <laughs> because it's a thing and people are openly coming out for it and like advising each other and going like, okay, I have a list for you. I can, I can recommend some stuff here. I think there's, there's also a yeah. great history of this kind of stuff too. Like 
there's this uh, woodblock print from like the 1800s um, mm-hmm. by a very famous woodblock print artist named Hakusai. Um, yeah. And it, it's a famous image called The Dream of the Fisherman's Wife. And it's a woman reclining in the throes of orgasmic pleasure. And there's an octopus performing cunnilingus on her. Yes. And there's also another smaller octopus that's like in her mouth. But yes. like this is from the 1800s. People have been mm-hmm. thinking about like weird creature porno sex for a long time. Like <laughs> yeah. the fact that it's being capitalized on and that a community has been able to find each other and then actually be like, oh, we're all into this weird thing that we thought we weren't supposed to be into. Cool. Mm-hmm. Let's make more of it. Let's make let's make an economy about it. And Let's make sure that the product gets better because, you know, people can communicate about what they want. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And and uh, funny thing. So um, and just in reference for those of you who don't know who Hokusai is, Hokusai is the famous uh, Japanese wave that everybody knows, the the gorgeous blue waves painting. Um, that is the same, <laughs> same artist that did this um, Fisherman's Wives. Was it Dream Cold? Uh, the dream of the fisherman's wife. The dreams of the the dream of the fisherman's wife, and it's it's so interesting to see that juxtaposition because at one hand you have a very erotic scene, but this guy is known for these you know very very uh, prolific waves basically. Like everybody knows Hakusai. Um, it's printed on T-shirts for crying out loud. You can buy them at the Uniqlo. Um, I've legitimately been trying to get a patch for my 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 heavy metal battle jacket, but which is all art history references of it. Uh, mm-hmm. That at one point there was this beautiful company. I think it's Inner Decay, um, and I think they were they were selling these art history prints. And I'm just like, I want to wear this out and about. Everybody should should be aware of the like strange art history that's out there. Oh yeah, definitely. Sometimes I do that still. Like um, there is this other um, artist. Oh, what's what's their name? They even released a um, a game. I'll, I'll look it up. The game is called Omori. And uh, I'll look up their name in the meantime. But um, basically, it's like super kawaii, super cutesy uh, prints they make, like very anime-like. Uh, but okay. they introduce like gore and, and horror elements into it. So you have like this, you know, bright yellow or bright pink sweater, for instance, of like this cutesy anime girl, but she's sitting on a pile of guts. <laughs> I love that. Or you have this very kawaii looking girl, but then she's like x-rayed th- right through the middle, for instance. Like you can see her innards and everything like that. Or, um, you know, like a, a Tomie type of character and it's like melted at the bottom. So at first glance, it doesn't, it, it seems very cute and anime-like, and then when you give it more attention, like, oh, no, these details are very gruesome. And I kind of love those kind of things because in Japan, you can find that, like, all over the place. I was in Kyoto um, in Gidon, which is, like, the, the temple and geisha area in uh, Kyoto. And um, there's this whole alley next to the temples, for crying out loud, where you, you can see the, sh- the big, Buddha um, uh, from where from where you're standing in that alley and that whole alley is just sex art so it's oh, like wow. wooden penises you know but then with like turtle faces on them or like 
certain animals shaped into sex toys um, with, with like really old art styles used to to depict them. Or I'm like so at, sorry I missed that. I was in I was in Kyoto and I went through that neighborhood. Jeez, I missed nah. that. <laughs> I, some of them were super scary as well. So you had this vagina monster basically and it had like an eye in the middle. Uh, and it was carved out of wood. It was like very craftsmanship was, you know, chef's kiss, really well done. But <laughs> yeah, it was, um, and I was, I was completely fascinated, but I was with someone who it wasn't as open-minded um, to curiosities like that. And they were shocked. They were genuinely shocked. They were like, oh no, I don't want to walk here. <laughs> I was like, no, I want to walk here. I want to see more of this. It's so yeah. I often have to remember that like people like you and I, um, mm -hmm. we aren't typical in, in our, our curiosity towards the perverse and strange. And yeah. I, I, when I get into this heightened state of like, oh my God, I'm so excited for all these like weird things. I often find myself uh, surrounded by people who are like, oh God, I'm like at the edges of my sanity trying to keep up with whatever the hell thing you're exposing me to at the moment. <laughs> they kind of have to like slow it down, take it in, get a little lube just to be able to like handle the situation. <laughs> I, 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 oh gosh, just like talking, talking to people the other day about some of the, some of the things like this that I'm interested in. They're like, we live very different lives. And mm -hmm. for those viewers whom uh, are just coming in, cause you know, culture curators pretty new in the podcast segment, like, yeah. Hopefully we can broaden your horizons a little bit. We're safe humans, I promise. We're not cannibals? Question mark. Okay. <laughs> well, only with consent. Only with consent. Yeah. I think that's the main rule for us, right? We don't do anything without consent. Do no harm. Um, uh, never in, what is the word? Uh, enforce your will. Somebody gave me this wonderful phrase once. Uh, I'll probably remember mm. by the end of the podcast. No, but like, yeah, don't, don't, don't uh, uh, oppress your will upon other people. Like, yes. let people do what they want and be good to each other. Exactly. As long as you're a good person and just doing your thing, you're not harming others. And indeed, you're not a, you're not pressing your will on others. Then I don't see what's wrong with it. And I think what's important as well is that I for a long time have considered myself weird. Or, you know, the odd one out because of my interests and, in, you know, the, the things that. I would, you know, spend attention to, I spent attention on. Oh my God, my English is sometimes, forgive. Um, <laughs> um, that's the, you know, the 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 burden of being a poly polyglot. Uh, sometimes all your languages just mangle up in your head while you're trying the to speak. The fact that English is not your first language would probably surprise most humans. <laughs> oh yeah let's see and the, the, the thing is i am a native speaker because of my mom being british and i normally sound different um is that i i hang i used to go to international schooling and i hang with so many americans that my uh accent has completely changed due to that and the way how i form sentences and speak and etc when i speak with my english cousins trust me i sound so different <laughs> <laughs> that mirror neuron kicks into play and all of a sudden you're you're yeah. hitting their their uh candor and tempo oh yeah it, like i'm neurodivergent so i i i chameleon a lot and once i get into it like when i'm in india i sound like an indian person speaking english um 
Like I even use their mannerisms and their expressions. The longer I'm there, the more I sound like I'm a local. And the same for any other country, by the way. Like the longer I'm in Korea, the more Korean I start sounding. And not in a mocking type of way. So I, I won't do like a stereotypical um, uh, accent or anything of the sort. I just mirror people in such a way that at one point I don't, I can't distinguish it. Uh, what what my own original starting point was. I think there's like this, there are these interesting variables of um, one, like with extreme like empathy, wanting to uh, mm -hmm. build comfort for another person to give familiarity, to, to speak in their language, to speak in their mm -hmm. tone and can mm -hmm. so that um, familiarity is established at kind of a subconscious level to a degree. That's yeah. a th that's a thing that um as especially a lot of actors we end up doing that a lot of the time if somebody has an accent in the room we can't help but pick it up, mm, um mm. and then also like mirror neurons this thing where um you know you see somebody get hurt like stub their toe and you're like like immediately yeah. you have that sense of what that feeling is like you're connecting to the other in this like biological sense outside of your personage like this mm -hmm. is this is how we can bond uh uh without having to make a choice for it. We just naturally are inclined to do so. I'm, I'm such a, a fan of that kind of thing. True, true, yeah, same, same, same. Um, I'm trying to think back the original point I was trying to make, because <laughs> we, we uh, tangent off. Oh, wait, I remember again. So yeah, I always weird. thought I was the weird one out. And then uh, growing up and meeting other people who are, uh, you know, more like me or open-minded or in any sense of the word, like they don't have exactly the same interests maybe, but are open to receiving the fact that I have certain interests and I'm open to receiving the fact that they have certain interests. I think that that should be the base of humanity. And we've been, a lot of people have been conditioned by their upbringing, um, by their environment, to close themselves off from it. And they're missing out on so much in, in, in life due to that, because you're like, oh, I'm, there's shame, um, you know, attached to this type of genre or interest or um, food or uh, nationality or whatever. Like if you put like some type of um, label to it, that makes you um, without even trying or, you know, experiencing it condemns someone for for having an interest or performing something in a certain way, then you you know, you you close off yourself from such a large part of the world and that really diminishes your overall experience in life because you're you're not living it to the fullest. Yeah, that uh archaic, uh overly archaic fear mm. of the other, this this idea that anything that's not familiar to me post danger and uh, i mean we live in a pretty s safe world overall um mm. most, like you're not going to get attacked by wolves um on in most places you're pr pretty mm. good to go there you can kind of expect that you can put a lot of trust on the infrastructure of humanity and its goodness to mm. to kind of save you from a lot of those very very dangerous uh variables so when somebody introduces you to something, when somebody has their their own culture or some uh, new crazy weirdness that you're like very hesitant to experience, it's safe to kind of dip your toes in there. There's nothing that's mm. so taboo that will destroy you other than criminal activity, uh, which yes. you know, uh, uh, who even knows what that really means? I don't know. But mm. like <laughs> legitimately, like 
to have that open curiosity and that willingness to accept that otherness, the weird yeah. thing, um, it, it opens you up and, you know, you don't have to invest yourself in these things, but to have friends that have vast varieties of interests, I like to think that I am the weird one in my group of friends. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people get to to share with a lot of the the strange things I'm a part of, but when they finally find something weird, I get so many text messages with tentacles in them. Oh man, <laughs> they know I'm the person that they were like, "That's a cool tentacle." Ben would appreciate that, and I get it. I get it in the mail. I love it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, well, so we're to each other at that level, right? Yeah, and and I think that's amazing. I think that what the nice part is is when you also meet your tribe, like you know, you, you and I uh, connecting on the internet and finding out that there are people around the world that have that same open mindedness and are willing to just you know be freaky. <laughs> um, in every sense of the word, and not be weirded out. Uh, when you come in and say like, I have a new book and it's as centaur as being milked for the semen. How do I get that job? <laughs> I don't I know, but I can't. Curious, just so everybody knows, like. Yeah, well, you know, it, if it if it exists, I will let you know definitely. But in the meantime, I can gift you the book so that you can read it because I think that it's a. This is this should we should co-read maybe this book. Oh yeah, co-read. We we, we could do a, a, a the first ever cultured curator uh, group book read club. Yeah. book club for the podcast. That that might be one of our early pieces of uh, community <laughs> activity. That would be hilarious. If there's a comment section on wherever you're listening to your podcast, please comment mm-hmm. and let us know if you would like to read. Um, uh, about the let me let me go back to the title morning glory milking farm and yeah. uh let's let's build a little community <laughs> you know what i do i'll do one better we'll post it on our twitter there you go which is at the culture pod um and, and i'm saying this correctly this time because the the first episode we, we totally said it wrong so at the culture pod it's also in the show notes um we're gonna post it on twitter maybe get a poll going and uh, yeah, start a little book club. Yeah, see, see if we can get some people to kind of like develop interests together and be weirdos together and be friends. Hi, guys. <laughs> exactly. I think we should also read Stock by the Kraken, by the way, since we are very into tentacles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need more tentacle literature in my life. I mean, I, well, we need more tentacles in our in our general personage, but you know. Well, there's also Mandy and the Tentacle Monster, Ensnared, which is an alien romance trilogy, but the alien has tentacles. Okay, you have my attention. Yes, yes. I mean, there's a whole world. Uh, The Kraken's Mate. Are you writing these down? I am actually trying to write some of these down because I'm like, okay, I need to, I, like, you can probably hear me typing in the background. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Take your time. Let me, let me just repeat them real quick. So we have Stalked by the Kraken by Lillian Lark. All right. And then we have Mandy and the Tentacle Monster by B.B. Harper. Now that, that's not associated with the Nick Cage uh, Mandy film, is it? No, no, it's not. Although that would be hilarious. I mean, that universe, I wouldn't be shocked if tentacles showed up in there. I don't think there's a no. tentacle in that movie, but. No, there is not. In an animation uh, part of the film, I'm pretty mm. sure there's like something going on. But Exactly. 
And the next one is Ensnared, an alien romance trilogy, a.k.a. the Spider-Maid book one by Tiffany Roberts. Okay. And then we have, last but not least, The Kraken's Mate by Susan Trombley. Oh, my gosh. There's this whole world that's just being I know. exposed to me. Of, 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 like, I, <laughs> I'm an enthusiast of these things, but I'm always pleased to find out that there's this whole subculture that exists and has been feeding on these strange things that I was completely unaware of and that there's a thriving ecosystem. I can tell you on Amazon, and most of these books have close to 500 reviews, if not over a thousand even, and they're all close to five stars. I'm just so like... People are yeah, enjoying the shit out of this. That goes to show. It's just like, okay, you know, the mm -hmm. community is really into this. It's not just some weird, like, no variable. No, it's, no, it's, Exactly. It's it's interesting too because like I think there was a time where you know this stuff seemed decently inaccessible, and then um, a few years back, I remember when Anthony Bourdain went to uh, Japan and mm -hmm. um, he was hanging out with um, uh, the artist who was responsible for for making uh, Urutsuki Doji. Ah um, uh, yes, manga. and like mm -hmm. they were show, they were sitting in a restaurant, and he was showing some of the original illustrations and panels that he had done for the comic, and that's like a very graphic tentacle porn thing. But Anthony Bourdain, which I would say nobody would like question, is a uh, a connoisseur of culture who mm -hmm. uh, is a very influential person, is like highlighting and showcasing this very interesting thing, and. That was the first time that I had been aware of that in like popular media, like where it was accessible for other humans to be like, oh, that's a thing. That is a thing. I have to say, I think Ritsukudoji was one of my first um, hentai ever. I might have been 17, 18 years old when I first saw it. And it wasn't on any major online, you know, porny hat platform or anything of the sort you had to find a server that offered sketchy um you know downloads for japanese porn, <laughs> japanese hentai where you and had to get a file for your computer because you were like i'm downloading something that's probably going to break my computer yeah 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 so literally what i did is ask someone else to to download it for me who was better equipped and had like all these servers and tour servers they were working with get me to file on a um usb stick and then i <laughs> played it on my computer and i was baffled i was like this ex i mean i knew of etchy stuff and i was I, I got into manga and anime at a very young age, um, especially also because of my family background. I have a very mixed Asian and African uh, family. Um, one of my youngest siblings is part Japanese as well. So I kind of grew up with that shit. But this particular, and this is Erogudo as well, because it's erotic and gore. Um, it was interesting because I, I knew about the horror stuff. I had seen Ninja Scroll and that kind of movies, those kind of movies. But seeing that combined with such so much sexual violence was just, I was just blown away. 
I was yeah, like, you see something like that, you're like, oh, I shouldn't be looking, right? Should I be looking? Am I looking? Mm, I'm, I'm, I can't not look. So, yeah. And then I was like, oh no, this has awakened something in me, and uh, it did. It did. I think like um, any of that really, really dark stuff that I, I kind of uh, gravitate towards. Mm. The thing, and and here's part of how it affects is like somebody saying it's okay, like mm. it's art. And like yeah. it's art exploring some of the like horror movies do some of the darker mm. capacities of our conceptions of reality, things that yes. aren't real. They're not art doesn't necessarily say go do this art says no. consider. And so as a thought experiment, as an exploration of your consciousness of beautiful mm. images, like these things are touching on on things that are taboo and uh, usually not very accessible. So um yeah you have a person that presents these things to you in the context of it's okay. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, I don't need to put the shame on myself. I've mm -hmm. had, I can say this other person is kind of like made it permissible because there's a human and they seem to be operating like a human does. Maybe it's okay. Um, these, yeah, these things are, are often best when somebody just kind of recommends them to you. And also I think like we're, we're keeping a list of a bunch of this stuff so that anybody mm -hmm. wants to go back and look over any of these things they can. Um, also the, the artist name for Orutsuki Doju is um, uh, Toshio Maeda. Uh, and he's responsible for a lot of other really interesting stuff too. I just want to make sure his name came out. Oh yeah. Um, I, I actually, since you're mentioning this, um, uh, we have a website that's launching soon. Uh, hopefully by the time that we publish this uh, episode, uh, you will be able to uh, like properly see it online, which is theculturedcurators.com. So in plural, theculturedcurators.com, just like the, uh, the name of the podcast. Um, and uh, we will be posting in some type of form, either list or blog. Um, ben and I are figuring that, figuring that out right now all the stuff that we mentioned in, in episodes like this, because we mentioned quite a bit. We mentioned books with the Doji is mentioned, you know, maybe some manga that we mentioned as well. Uh, some artists, some the Hokusai um, uh, painting. So all these types of um, references, we can't all put them in this, in this show notes, but we can put them on our website. So we will make a specific corner on our website for that. Yeah, and as we kind of like free flow from thing to thing, like uh, mm -hmm. there's obviously plenty of fill-in space. So hopefully, like if we make reference to anything culturally curious or uh, something worthy of curation, um, you know, we we can also fill in some of the gaps of things that we might have missed. Like for instance, if I forget the name of a of a, a prestigious hentai artist, I can we'll probably <laughs> make that stuff for you guys. Exactly, exactly, and we'll probably put some tips and uh, and lists on there as well. Um, especially if we're expanding into maybe some co-reads in manga and some co-reads in, uh, in monster, uh, monster romance literature. Yeah, because there's a lot of that that's out there and, and having somebody to point you where to find it's important. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Um, I think we are done for today, uh, Ben. Are, do you want to add some, some more... Uh, interesting curiosities to this particular episode i think this episode's probably going to be revisited because we started just not talking about mm. anything and, and <laughs> fell into it this is our natural yeah. instinct so there's That's an true. infinite amount of variables to be touched upon here uh 
I think it was just a, a nice little uh, uh, dialogue between us, and um, um, hopefully we uh, sparked some curiosity for some other folks out there. Awesome. Awesome. I cannot agree more with you. Um, for if in case you missed it, we are the culture pod on Twitter. Our website is the And uh, we are on Instagram as well. Do you know by heart maybe uh, what our Instagram what, is? Been? What a cultured curator Instagram is? Yes. I do not. Oh my gosh. I'm a bad person. <laughs> give me a moment. Uh, I can look that up for us. Uh, wait, I got it. I got it to us you first. It? it is. Oh yes. The cultured curators. That is our Instagram handle. The cultured curators. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. So it, it's important that you put that S in there because if you go to the cultured curator, that's a completely different website. Um, but the cultured curators both for the Instagram, the website, so with the culturedcurators.com. And for Twitter, it's the cultured pod. That's it. That's it. I dig it. And give me one moment. Stop recording. Uh -huh.